Welcome to the Revivify Church Podcast. Here at Revivify, we exist to bring people into a fully devoted relationship with Jesus. As you listen, we pray that you experience a life-changing love of Jesus and come to know Him in a deeper way. Um, read a lot of verses. I won't lie. Um, I'm really, really intimidated to preach, not necessarily to the church, but to Jesslyn. And so if you just notice that I don't even look her way, it's okay. Okay. You can do this, Ty. It's not about impressing Jesslyn. Okay. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not. Okay. Um, Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14. I'm going to read 13 verses, 13 verses. It says this, at that time, Herod, heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John's been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company, and it pleased Herod. So that he promised with the oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oath, his guests commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in prison. His head was brought on the platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And the disciples came, and they took the body and buried it. And then when they told Jesus, and then they went and told Jesus. The last two more verses. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot to the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. He healed their sick. I want to preach a message entitled, leave me alone. Leave me alone. I know we all like saying that to those people who annoy us, but if you're taking notes, I want you to write it down. Leave me alone. Can we bow our heads and pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you're going to use these few sentences and paragraphs that I've prepared to speak to your people. Lord, I pray that none of us leave the same. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing, and I thank you that you're at work. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said? Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Just, she didn't like my sermon. She already gone. She's already gone. Devin, want to just, you want to do this? Just joking. Um, let's be honest in church. Raise your hand if you get annoyed. Just raise your hand if you get annoyed. I, 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 I get annoyed a lot. I I don't know what it is about me, but my wife says, she's like, you just get annoyed about everything. I just add everything's annoying. I don't know what to tell you, babe. I just constantly get annoyed. And even growing up, I would find myself having the, I was always the kid that you had to make sure. I was very particular about things. Things would make me mad. And when things upset me, I'm one of those people that I just want to be left by myself. If I had a bad day, if I had a bad meeting, if I had a bad sermon, I don't know. I just want to just be left alone. And I think a lot of times feelings like that, we don't associate them with Jesus. We have an image of Jesus, and Jesus usually, when I say the name Jesus, you think of a person that always wants to be around people. You think of a person that's always just happy. You know those people that are always happy? You're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you always happy? You just, every day you happy? Like, nothing happened? Like, my gosh, I want your life. We have this image that Jesus never went through anything. But to be quite honest, Jesus went through a lot of things outside of the crucifixion. 
There was a lot of pain that Jesus had to walk through that oftentimes we don't talk about in church, not necessarily because we don't want to, but we just want to talk about the fun verses. You know, there was someone that while I was reading the verse this morning in church, you're like, why is he reading the story about beheading somebody? Doesn't he know it's Sunday? Yes, I do. Let's see where this thing's going to go, okay? And I have seen God do so many crazy things in my life. And I go to the Bible, and the, and the stories that make me get close to Jesus the most aren't necessarily the stories that you would think. It's not the stories of Jesus walking on water. I'm going to be honest, I ain't going to walk on water. Nothing about that story makes me want to step out and do that. It's not the stories about Jesus turning water into wine. It's not stories about Jesus just bringing dead people alive. All those stories are amazing, but a lot of those ser- stories serve and circle around the divinity of Jesus. When I say the divinity of Jesus, you know this. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. We love the 100% God stories. We love, those are the stories that people preach on Easter. You don't preach the man stuff, you preach the God stuff, okay? You know that when it comes to Jesus, you want to hear the amazing things that man cannot do. You know, you want to hear the stories and the sermons that only Jesus can do, only Jesus can fulfill. But oftentimes, I think if we only read those stories... When we find ourselves going through other things, we'll feel like Jesus can't be connected to it. When, we, when life gets good, then I'll go to church again. Because that's the Jesus that I know. The Jesus that I know didn't go through pain. But to be quite honest, that's not true at all. Jesus went through so much pain outside of the crucifixion. And one of the painful things that he went through is a story that I read this morning. Now, to, to a lot of people, you probably heard John the Baptist, and you're like, okay, I understand John the Baptist died. But to some people, John was an evangelist. To some people, John was a teacher. But to Jesus, John was his cousin. If, if you know the Christmas story, you know that Mary was pregnant with a baby. And while she was pregnant, her cousin was also pregnant with a baby. The Bible says that actually Elizabeth was visited by an angel, and the angel told her, you're going to have a son he will be great. You are to name him John. You know that Elizabeth went to go tell Mary that story. Hey, you weren't even here. Last night I had a dream. What you dream about? I don't even care. I'm telling you what I'm having my dream. An angel showed up, told me I'm having a son, said he's going to be great, and his name's going to be John. I don't even got to think about the name. Okay, everything's figured out. A few months later, unbeknownst to both of them, Mary also, too, gets a dream. You're going to have a baby. He's going to be very great. That's what the Bible says. You are to name him Jesus. You know Mary went to go tell Elizabeth, hey, I had a dream too, girl. Hey. (laughs) And my son, yours is great. Mine is very great. Emphasis on the very, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) They grew up together. John the Baptist and Jesus. Shout out to Brayden. I love you. You're so amazing. You're so called, and I can't wait to see all the things God does in your life. I love that young man. He's so cool. I just forgot to give you a shout-out. I love him so much. But John the Baptist and Jesus both grew up together, both called, both miracle babies, both growing into the person that God has called them to be. John the Baptist was a good man. John the Baptist was the preparer of Jesus. He was kind of weird. He did eat locusts, but we all have that cousin that does those weird things. We just don't bring them to meet our normal friends. You know what I mean? So John the Baptist, he wasn't a bad man. He was a good man. He was a man that when he woke up, he woke up with a heart after God, to seek after God. John, I mean, John would be talked about more if Jesus didn't come right after. I'm going to be quite honest. John was a amazing, amazing character. 
That's why this story that I read this morning doesn't sit very well. Because John did not deserve what happened. This was not because John did something. This was simply because of a request. So evil. So wrong. And somebody has to go tell Jesus about something he already knows. Hey, Jesus, we are John's disciples, and we just want to give you the news today that um, your cousin, uh, he, he's dead. Yeah, he was beheaded, and he's gone. We already buried the body. We just felt like we had to come and tell you what you already know, because the 100% God part of you saw this coming, but the 100% man part of you still hurts by what you saw coming. They give Jesus the news. And the Bible says something. The Bible says something about Jesus that I don't think a lot of us would think when it comes to Jesus. This is what you're ready for in this story. You're ready for me to say, he sang a song. He did not do that. He quoted a scripture like he did when he was tempted. No, he didn't do that either. The Bible says Jesus went to be alone. If that's not the most 100% man thing you can do, I don't know what is. Because when life gets hard, when you get that news that you weren't expecting, when your kids are acting out of order, when your money is acting funny, when you don't know what to do, sometimes the best remedy for your soul in that moment is oftentimes saying, give me a break. I just want to be alone. I just want to be by myself. I just want to see how to process, how to ponder, how to get myself together, maybe come up with a reaction plan, a response plan to the news that I got. How can I get past this? I want to be alone. The last thing that I think of when I think of Jesus is him being alone. The image I have of Jesus is him being surrounded, him being supported, him having a bad day, but just pushing right through it. But in this particular story, we see Jesus get news that he, didn't, he saw coming. And so for the people in the room that you think this to yourself, if I would have saw, if I would have knew that this was going to be like, it wouldn't hurt. It would still hurt. If you would have saw the divorce coming, it would have hurt probably more. If you would have knew that they were going to get that doctor's treatment three years ago, it probably still would hurt. The, the awareness of what's going to happen does not change the fact that it still hurts. It just means you're aware that it's coming. And I remember when I, when I came across this story, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a guy that I was raised in church. My mom didn't give me an option. She was like, hey, we going to church on Sundays. I was like, okay, that's what we're doing. She put me in a private Christian school. And I remember when we moved from the state we were living to, we moved to Las Vegas. And the first thing she found was a church. Yes, you would believe there are churches in Las Vegas, not just strip clubs and stuff. There's churches there too. And I remember we were a part of a church and that church always taught me, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. My mom would teach me that, read your word, read your word. And sometimes I would go to my mom with questions about the word of God. Mom, I read this. What does this mean? And she would do what every good parent says. Go pray about it, son. Go pray about it. You'll figure it out. That was her way of saying, I don't have the answer. I wish she just would have told me that. She's like, go fast and believe. Just tell me you don't know, okay? Just making me go crazy over here. But my mom would always tell me this. She's like, son, she's watching right now. I love you, mom. She would say, read it even if you don't get it, because one day you're going to need it. I'm going to say that to somebody. Read it even if you don't get it, 
because one day you're going to need it. This is a story I read. This is a story that I rush read. I won't even lie. You have those stories in the Bible where you're like, okay, I got to read these 15 verses to get to that good one that I want to post on Instagram. So let me just read these ones and I'll get right there. Because no one wants to hear. You don't want to wake up on Monday morning and be scrolling and hit Tyshawn Rowland's story and you see, John got beheaded. God bless you today. You don't want that, you know? It's not what you want. It's not why you follow me. You want those encouraging verses, you know? You know, give and it'll give back to you. Press down, shaking together, running all over. That makes you feel good. That one, no, I ain't going to do nothing. But I think sometimes you need to get in your spirit. I remember reading this story and not understanding it. And then one day I went through something and it changed the way that I view the story completely. For the sake of time, I, I don't want to play down my story, but I do want to share with you why this story means so much to me. More importantly, why Jesus means so much to me. Because I even know that as I'm speaking right now, there are some people, you didn't come here to laugh. I'm glad you are. You didn't come here just to meet some people. You came here because you need something. You could be going through something today. You could be going through the worst pain of your life on a normal Sunday. I remember the first time I ever visited an old church that I worked for, Pastor Jensen Franklin. Do you love Pastor Jensen Franklin and the free child? Aren't they amazing? I love the hair. Devin got the hair now. I was like, I was like, I love the hair. I remember the first time I visited that church. I wasn't the youth pastor. It was actually two and a half years before I ever even considered coming on staff. I didn't even know that was a possibility the first Sunday. So maybe there's someone sitting in church right now, and then two years from now, you're going to be like, hey, that's my story. I hope it is. But I remember the first Sunday because it was one of the worst days of my life. I didn't even want to go to church that day. In fact, I was an intern in Charlotte, but I had to drive back to Georgia because I was leaving a funeral. And the funeral that I was leaving was my brother's, my 18-year-old brother named Jordan Blackwell. And my brother got murdered along with eight other of my family members in 2017 in a mass shooting. When, when this took place, I was an intern at Elevation Church just singing do it again, you know, just loving God, pursuing him, trying to do all I can with all I had. I didn't have a lot, but I wanted God to use it. And I'll never forget the day I got the news. My mom called me. I saw it on, I saw it on the news. I saw my last name on the news. I saw my brother on the news. I remember driving to Mississippi for the first time in a decade. I didn't talk to my father, nor that side of the family, but family's still family no matter what happens. And I remember going to the funeral thinking, God, why me? Like, why my family? Why, why we got to go through this? I mean, I, I love Jesus. I love you. I pursue you. I worship you all the days of my life. I know I do some dumb things, but God, you chose Judas, so it's okay. You know what I mean? And I felt so much in my heart that I did not deserve what was happening. And I remember leaving church that Sunday after Free Chapel Pastor Jensen did what only he could do, preach a message on hope that made me for a split second lose the brevity, gave me some brevity of what happened in my life. And I was driving home, and the next day was a Monday, and I read the story that I read to you today. And I read the story from a different perspective, because now I see Jesus losing someone crazy in his family, just like I lost someone crazy in my family. I see Jesus going through something. See, a lot of people would say this. What do you do when bad things happen to good people? Well, here's a question. This story makes me ask a deeper question. What do you do when bad things happen to perfect people? Jesus was perfect. What did he do to deserve what happened? Nothing. He didn't do anything to deserve it. 
but we live in a fallen, frail, sinful world, and because of the byproduct of our fragmented nature, bad things just happen. And so Jesus has the response that I had when Jordan died. Leave me alone. I don't want to talk. I don't want to text. I don't want to hang. I just want to be by myself because I need to process what happened to me. There's some people in this room, even as I'm speaking, you feel that. You want to process the divorce. You want to process what's going on in your family. You want to process what's going on in your finances. You want to process what's going on. You just want to be by yourself. This is a story for you. And we see Jesus say for the first time to his disciples, guys, I want to go be by myself. And he leaves them. He goes, the Bible says, to a desolate place, a place where nobody was at. Like for, for me, my desolate place is my office. No one's there. My dog will bark, but I will not acknowledge him. That's my desolate place. It's the place I go. Don't talk to me. Don't text me. I need to be by myself. And the Bible says that Jesus left to be alone. He left. He said, leave me alone. But what's insane, the Bible also says this right after. When the crowd saw Jesus, they wanted to be with him. So in the moment he wanted to be by himself, that's when crowds wanted to show up. Isn't it crazy that people will hit you up the moment you don't want to hang out? But when you want to hang out, nobody hits you up. You know what I mean? You just scroll on Instagram, you're like, man, I would really love to hang out. Oh, Devin's flying today. Must be nice. Okay. Must be nice. All right, Marcus. Okay, cool. Another school. Victoria's hanging out. She's my wife and she didn't invite me. You know, just like all these... Things And then the time when you're just, you're finally just saying, I don't want to hang out. Everyone's texting you. Hey, Ty, you want to have dinner? Shut up. I don't want to have dinner with you. Where <laughs> were you last week? I don't even got no money. You paying? I may come, you know? <laughs> Seems like everybody wants to reach out to us when we don't want to be reached out to at all. And I think the reason that happens is because oftentimes opportunities will come in the most inconvenient moments. They never come when you want them. They come packaged in inconvenience, but that inconvenience can get you to the impossible things of God. I was telling Pastor Devin, um, Pastor Jason, right before the service, we were in the back and we were talking about Pastor Devin, who is one of my best friends and I love him so much. And I was telling to him that when I first met Devin, when I first met him, I could just sense the passion of the ministerial dreams. I could just see it. Oh, this man just wants to reach the world, and he will. He wants to travel the world, and he will. And he wants to pastor, and he will. He will do everything in his heart. And I was telling this to Pastor Jason. I said, it's, inc it's crazy that over the years I've seen pain take Devin to the place that he wants to faster than his passion ever could. I I as his friend, I've known him for years. He's a passionate man. Him and Jesslyn are a passionate couple. But passion oftentimes don't get you to your purpose. But pain can if you submit it to God. And we see Jesus do something in his pain, in his pain. I want to talk to people today that are in pain, not people that you're doing good. You're doing good. Come back next week. We'll have a sermon for you. But for the people <laughs> that are going through pain, I have a suggestion for you today. I think you should do what Jesus is about to do, because if you do what Jesus is about to do, you'll see God do things in your life that you never dreamed possible right now. You probably dreamed it possible. You just didn't think it would happen like this, in this circumstance, in this season. But this is what God wants to do.
Jesus wants to be left alone and people begin to come. And they begin to come because Jesus had a reputation in the city. His reputation was this, that of a healer. So all these people are sick. They're walking up to Jesus saying, heal me. And they are healing. And Jesus is healing each and every person that walks up to him. Isn't it interesting that the hurting man is healing people? No one walked up to him that morning and said, can I pray for you? For your loss? But they said, can you pray for me for my headache? Can you pray for me for my ailment? Can you pray for me for my sickness, my disease? Can you pray for my sister? I'll believe it just at your word. And Jesus, the Bible says he's having compassion. Compassion. Compassion has become a lost art in our world. I, I think we're going through what uh, one of my, my, my old supervisors taught me. Her name was Brittany. She said, Tyshawn, I think you're experiencing compassion fatigue. And Brittany always hit me with like big words. I was like, what is that? I don't even know what that is, Brittany. She was like, you have been giving out so much that you almost have given out all that you are and it's hard to give anymore. Compassion fatigue. I mean, if you look at the news, compassion fatigue. You only can have so much heart and so much prayers for so many people. Eventually we get to the point where we don't want to have compassion for people. Instead, we will do what I like to call complaining. When life gets hard, we don't jump to compassion. At least I don't. We jump to complaining. You have a situation going on in your life and you see God blessing other people. And you're like, God, why then? Why? No, I want an answer, Lord. <laughs> why then? Why did this happen to me? Why does it seem like all these other people get blessed except me? And God says, I'm, I'm calling you in this season to have compassion. You can complain, but what is that going to do? Can we talk about that for a second? What is complaining going to do? Let's play this thing through. Something happens to you that you don't like, and you pick up the phone, and you call someone that you trust, and you start complaining to them. What do you want them to do? Jump, jump along that with you? Yeah, man, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to you, bro. Yeah, no, your life is over. Yeah, I don't think Jesus can work this out at all, at all. Yeah, no, this is probably your last day living. See you later, bye. No. <laughs> Complaining, it doesn't even feel right. But compassion, compassion causes you to look beyond yourself. I love what Pastor Devin said about that song, I Exalt Thee. The reason that that song is powerful because it's not about us. And life will get better when it's not about you. When you make life about serving other people instead of people serving you, you will always find opportunities. Every day you will find opportunities. When you wake up with a purpose saying, God, who can I help? Who can I serve? Who can I lead? God will always give you opportunities. But if you wake up with that spirit, that complaining, another day, huh? I wonder what's going to happen today. That's not God's heart. We see Jesus having something that a lot of us lose when we go through hell. Compassion. I lost it. When I, when I lost my brother, I lost it, man. I, I, I lost compassion. I felt like something was stolen from me. There was a joy that was stolen from me. It's so interesting, even as I tell the story about my brother, um, that changed my whole life. When I lost him, when he died, it changed my whole life. But I didn't talk about it for five years. I didn't talk about it so much for five years that months ago, my friends that knew me in that season didn't even know what was happening. 
They had no idea that I even lost anybody to a mass shooting because it made me quiet. I didn't even want to share it. I just felt like, I can't share this. What is God going to do with this? How can God use this? You ever go through something and you just wonder, like, I know he could use everything else, but this, a shooting, a divorce, a diagnosis, a problem, a finance. No, God, you can't use this. You can't change this. No, he can and he will if you allow him to. When I read the story and I saw that Jesus had compassion, it made me mad because I was with Jesus up until that point. Like when he said, leave me alone, I'm like, yes, leave him alone. And then he started having compassion. I'm like, okay, Jesus, who are you out? And who are you now, man? But Jesus wants me and you and us to use this story as a representation of when you go through hell. Because even when you go through hell, I know what I'm going to say is going to hurt somebody. It's still not about you. It's still not about you. It's, it's not. I know you're going through it, but it's still not about you. I know it's so much pain, but it's still not about you. I feel like for seven years, people were just giving me one message. Tyshawn, this life is not about you. And it took me so long in my arrogance and in my pride to figure that out. But as soon as I did, I saw that God wanted to do other things in my life. And I wanted to be used by God to help people. So after my brother died, I said, I'm going to have compassion. I'm going to have compassion. And I was looking to see if I would feel fulfilled after I would do certain things, whether that was a youth pastor, whether I was traveling, whether that was serving, and I would find myself not having fulfillment because fulfillment will never come when you ignore your pain. It only comes if you face it. And so if you go through life trying to fulfill all these promises without facing your greatest pain, you'll have a lot of breakthrough, but you'll still feel like you're broken. And it's such a conflicting place to be. And so I want to encourage everyone in this room to face your pain, because if you do face your pain, you could see Jesus do something in your life that you never seen before. I want, I want to share what's very interesting about this story is that if you go to Matthew 14 in your Bible, above verse 13, sometimes it'll give you previews of what you're about to read. You know what I mean? It'll just say, like, this is what's about to happen. This is what's about to happen. Well, in verse, above verse 13 or 14, it says that Jesus feeds the 5,000. Jesus feeding the 5,000 is by far one of the most popular miracles in the Bible particularly in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Synoptic Gospels, the four perspectives of the life of Jesus, they all don't record the same thing. One of them don't even record the birth of Jesus if it's not important. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with you, John, but I'm going to talk to you about that when I get to heaven. You should have talked about that. They don't all talk about the same thing, but when they do, it makes you to consider the importance of that particular story. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all cover the feeding of the 5,000, but only Matthew and Mark really talk about the pain that came before the reason that I say that, the way I said that, is to say this. Some of you in this room, everyone will hear about the miracle that comes after. Everyone will. Because that's fun to write about. But only few people will know about the pain that comes before. We see Jesus begin to feed these disciples by the disciples going to steal some bread from a guy like, from a kid like Braden, and they take the, the bread and they come and they give it to Jesus, and Jesus multiplies the bread. Five loaves, two fish feeds over 15,000 people. I would put that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John too if I was a writer. Because I would, I would think that story is important for anybody to show that he can take the little and he could bless it 
and he could break it and he can multiply it. That's a very important story to, to catch. So if you don't catch it in Mark, I want you to catch it in Matthew. If you don't catch it in Matthew, I hope you catch it in Luke or John. This is an important story to share. But this story only happened because Jesus faced his greatest pain that morning. I remember earlier this year, I felt uncomfortable. I was um, feeling uncomfortable in my walk with God. I would, I would begin to pray and I felt like something was off. I felt like there was a transition. And I remember just coming to a conclusion and telling my wife, I was like, I feel like God is calling us to do X, Y, and Z. I feel like God is calling us to evangelize. I feel like he's calling us to go into the road and travel. And I called every pastor and leader that knew me since I was a kid to make sure it was something. By the way, if you're gonna make a big decision, call your pastor. You don't walk up to your pastor and say, hey, pastor, I'm married. No, just say, hey, pastor, I met this person. Don't, don't, they saw you last week, you were single, now you're married. You don't, you invite your pastor into your big decisions. That's all I'm trying to say. And I called pastors and they said, it seems good to me, Ty. It seems good to me, Ty. It seems good to me, Ty. No one told me no. And I still felt that there was something off. I remember the morning I went on Instagram and I posted that I was going on the road full time. I felt immediately, as soon as I posted it, that something was off. And what's very interesting in the preacher world is that if you're an evangelist, the way it works, just to explain to people, is that churches have to bring you out. You can be an evangelist, but if no one brings you out, you're not an evangelist. I don't know what you are, but <laughs> you believe in to be one, but I don't know what you are right now, you know? And I had a few engagements lined up for that month, and in one day, all of them canceled. I said, hey, babe, <laughs> I'm going to have to apply for Starbucks. You know, I'm going to have to go back. And the reason that it canceled. I felt like the Holy Spirit immediately said, go to Mississippi. It's like, go to Mississippi? I haven't been to Mississippi in five years. Last time I've been to Mississippi, my brother died. Go to Mississippi. I don't want to go to Mississippi. I don't want to see my dad. I don't, I don't want to go to Mississippi. And I really did feel that if I didn't go back to Mississippi, he would continue taking away my engagements. And because I didn't want to be one of those evangelists to just say it, and they're not really it, I went to Mississippi. And I, I saw my dad, Devin knows this, I didn't grow up with my father. Like my dream would, would be to have a father like Pastor Jason. That would be my dream. And so growing up, I didn't have a dad. He wasn't in my life. He wasn't there for me. He didn't teach me a lot of things. He didn't teach me anything except hide and seek. And he was so good at it though, like I found him. <laughs> I did. Just took a while. I know. I know. That was dark. I don't know. I don't even know where we go from here. I don't even know what to say. I'm so sorry, Mom. I'm so sorry. Okay. I went to Mississippi. Let's see where we can go from here. And I remember I was hanging out with my dad and we were walking, he looked at me, and this guy, he, he didn't even barely knew me, he looked at me, he said, you didn't come to Mississippi for me, you didn't come to reconcile with your family, though we're so glad you're here and the reconcil reconciliation has taken place. You came here, son, because of your ministry. This man doesn't even know me. How's he gonna talk to me about my ministry? And I got home May 13th, the happiest I ever got home. You would have thought I just came from preaching for the potter's house. But I was with my dad, I was with my grandma, I was with my family. My wife will tell you we walked the beach of Jacksonville and I was just, God, you're so good. You know, you ever just have one of those days where he's just faithful and you're like, you're so good. And I'm like, I'm posting about my dad. This is just a miracle in itself. 
And May 14th happens. May 14th was a day that someone decided to take a gun in Buffalo and kill 10 people. It was the day after I came back home from Mississippi remembering what happened five years ago when someone that I knew took a gun and killed eight people. And so now I'm sitting here and I have a choice. I have a choice. Am I gonna complain that it's still taking place, that shootings are still taking place, that nobody cares about the families, that no one, people are gonna post and they're just gonna walk away? That's what people do. I remember when my brother died. It was on the news for two days. Two days! And then it was replaced by the next shooting. I had to make a decision, Tyshawn, what are you going to do? And for the first time, church, I wish I could tell you I've always been this person. But I thought I had compassion. I didn't. I had chosen compassion. I wanted compassion where I was okay. I didn't want to show compassion where I was actually having pain. There's some people in this room, you have compassion for everything except divorce because that's what you just walked through. You have compassion for anything except finances because that's what you're going through. It's hard to have the compassion in the area where you have the struggle. But I told God, I said, Jesus, I have compassion for the first time. Jesus, could you use me to help these families? I said this prayer in Jacksonville on a Saturday night after bothering my wife about it all week. And, um, the next day, on a Sunday, a pastor called me, ends up flying me out to Buffalo. I end up sitting down with different families that lost people in the shooting. I told them my story. I told them what I've gotten to do since my brother died. We got some money to them. We got to pray for them. I still text them today. And even after that, God put on my heart and stirred on my heart to start a nonprofit for families that actually experience mass shootings. And the reason I'm sharing this story is because a woman walked up to me before service, you know who you are. And she said, I just feel like whatever you're about to share to the church, we need it. And I felt that way too. I feel like church, we're going through stuff. I say we because I'm a part of this church community. And I believe that the best thing you can do in response to the pain that you've had is not be left alone. If you go by yourself and get isolated, all you will feel is pain by yourself. That's it. No, I'm not going to go to church. I'll show them. Who are you showing? <laughs> no, I'm not going to go to church. That's, is that how it's going to? What? Church is where you need to go. If you're in pain, if you need help, if you just want community, the best place to go is your local church. It's to get connected. It's to join a small group. It's to come in and maybe sit in the back and say, God, I'm just here. And hopefully that is enough. God wants to use you. He wants to use you in the pain that you're in right now. If I could bring my brother back, I promise to God I would. I would give it all up in a minute. Preacher or bring your brother back. Bring my brother. I wouldn't even think about it. I was so good at working at Starbucks, man. No one could touch me on that bar, bro. I'm good. But I can't bring him back. But I'll tell you what I can do. I can make the devil pay. I can make the devil pay. That, that I can do. I can't do anything else, but I can make the devil pay. And for years, the devil thought he had me, but he doesn't have me anymore. And he doesn't have you anymore. I know what you're going through is hard. 
And I know you want to be by yourself. And I know you may not even want to be in church right now. And I know if you just feel like the best thing that you could do to remedy the pain in your soul is to be by yourself. But can I tell you that maybe the key to your greatest pain is compassion. Maybe the thing you need to do if you're hurting is to help somebody else. Maybe if you're just waiting for everyone to text you, maybe it's God calling you to text somebody and say, I'm praying for you, even though you want someone to text that to you. You allow compassion to be the driving force of every decision you make. Allow compassion to take control and it will lead you to space and in places that you never thought you would be. I know that the story of the feeding of the 5,000 goes down as one of the greatest miracles in the world. And to me it is, it's, it's a great miracle. Like, I would love to give someone a Chick-fil-A sandwich and they give me back 5,000 of them. That, that's like, <laughs> come on now. Don't, don't, don't play with me in church. We, we're all business people. I would sell that thing like this, you know? <laughs> I used to think the greatest miracle was the 5,000, and it's a great miracle. But I think the greater miracle is the fact that when Jesus was healing all these people, providing for all these people, he was hurting himself. That is the miracle, that you can be in pain and purpose. That's the miracle. The miracle is that you can be hurting and healing. That's the miracle. The miracle is that you can be confused and be full of clarity and know that God is going to use you. That's the miracle. The miracle is that he can take your pain, he can take your little, and he can multiply it and bless so many other people. That's the miracle. So the miracle is maybe you got a ministry in the pain that you're going through. My ministry right now is, a, is, is, is I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, but right now it's, it's this mass murder thing. You don't get to choose your pain. It chooses you. I didn't want this. I don't want this at all. You didn't want that divorce. You didn't want that diagnosis. You didn't want, you didn't want, I know you didn't want it. And I know if you could, you would give it back, but you can't. So what if I told you there's not just a miracle out of that problem? What if I told you he can birth a ministry out of that problem? There are some people in this room, and I, and I say this, I believe that Revivify is going to step into a new season as a church. I believe that no eye has seen, no ear has heard type things. And I don't think it's going to happen because the preaching is going to get greater than it already is, though it will. I don't think, even think it's going to be because the worship is going to continue to grow, and it will. I think is there because there's some people in this room that are going to tank their pain and turn into a ministry. Someone sitting in the back right now, you're a single mother. You have a single mother ministry. I know you don't like it. I know it's not what you chose. But how about you get some other single mothers around you and you give them the experience, you give them the wisdom, you give them the things that nobody gave. Hey, I got some clothes for my baby. I noticed that you guys are the same size. Let me just give you. It's my ministry now. It's my ministry now. There's some people in this room struggling with finances so bad. You had a lot, then you lost a lot. That's a ministry. That's a ministry. You get some young men around you and say, hey, I want to teach you on the principles on how to save money, how to make money, and how to grow your money. I'm going to teach you through my life. I know that for so many years I thought God can use it, but look at him using it. There's a ministry in the divorce. There's a ministry in the diagnosis. There's a ministry in the pain. There's a ministry, but it will only be unlocked by compassion. I, I felt like my, my, my assignment today would do two things. And so the first one was to impress Jess. Okay. The second one was to make the altar available for those that need them.
Now, you know, my old pastor, Pastor Jensen Franklin, we're an altar church. And so if you're in this room and you're saying, I'm going through something and I need him. I need him to turn this to a miracle because if he doesn't, I just want to be by myself. I want to be left alone. And if you're in this room, you're saying this message was for me and I want to see him turn my pain, my mourning into a miracle. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to meet me up here. One, two, three. Meet me up here. Meet me up here. Thank you, Jesus. 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 It's not that I don't think people that are coming up to the altar are not enough. I just know that sometimes we stay in our seat because we don't think he can really do anything. That was me when Jordan died. How could you even, you, you can't. I didn't know five years later I would start a nonprofit. I had no idea that would take place. And so I'm just gonna ask one more time, not because I want a certain number up here, it means nothing to me, but because I feel like it'll mean something to you and God for you to come up here, maybe for your babies, maybe for your marriage, maybe for your ministry. I, I wanna give you one more opportunity. One, two, three, if that's you, just come up here. Just come up here, just come up here, just come up here, just come up here. And if you're up here, I just want you to lift your hands. I want you to close your eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you. I thank you for everyone that's at this altar. Lord, you know their story. You know their pain. You know what they're going through. You know about their loss. You know about their sickness. You know about their disease. You know about their report. Heavenly Father, I pray that you do what only you can do. God, number one, that you would heal their heart. We know what your word says, that by your stripes we are healed not just physically, but spiritually and emotionally. God, we know that there is a healing available today. And God, I pray right now that you give them a double portion of compassion. Give them a double portion of compassion, Holy Spirit, to see people beyond themselves, to hear pain beyond their own, to make themselves available for a ready use for you, God, I thank you for every person here, Lord, and I just thank you that no weapon formed against them shall prosper. God, I pray blessings. I pray protection over this church. And if you guys can, if, if you could, I want us to just extend our hands. Pastor Jason, Pastor Devin, Jason, Pastor April, let's just extend our hands to them right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this family. I thank you for them, God. I thank you for the covering. I thank you that you've given them strength. I thank you that you've given them more. God, I thank you giving them strength for their spirit to keep dreaming. God, I thank you for you giving them strength to keep building. God, I thank you for what you're doing. God, we thank you for our pastors. Lord, we thank you right now for the faithfulness, for the integrity, for taking the high route, for choosing the narrow path. Lord, we thank you, God, right now. And Lord, we thank you for April. And we still believe in healing. We still believe in healing. We still believe. God, right now, from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, Lord, I pray and I command your healing work in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for Jasa. I thank you for what you're speaking to her, God. I thank you that you're giving her strength in this season, that you're giving her perspective in this season. God, I thank you for Pastor Devin for the anointing, for the increase, for the assignment.
God, I pray you give him more revelation than he knows what to do. I pray you give him more authority than he knows what to do. God, I thank you for my friend, my co-laborer. God, I pray that you continue to bless him. Lord, we thank you for this community. And God, I thank you for my sister, Jesslyn, God. Continue to strengthen her. Continue to be your light. Continue to show yourself faithful, God. God, I thank you that it will take place. I thank you that it will take place. It will be fulfilled. Luke 137 over Devin and Justin right now. For nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God. We thank you for in the name of Jesus. And everybody said? Everybody said? Thanks for listening to the Revivified Church Podcast. We hope this leaves you encouraged and inspired to love Jesus more than anything. To connect with us or access other resources, please visit www.revivify.church.